The following presentation is brought to you by the KMmedia.pro network. Each channel is created to provide highly engaging and fascinating content presented in an entertaining light just for you. Please visit KMmedia.pro for complete information. So now, stay right where you are as we present Hi, I'm Eric Hall. Welcome to Seattle's Lunch Club. This is where we'll be chatting to all kinds of people about their day, their week, what they're doing. We'll talk about Seattle and life in general. We're glad you're here. Make yourself comfortable. Welcome, everybody. I know, I know you're going, well, all right, what the hell's going on? Where's Positive Talk Radio? Well, actually, this is Positive Talk Radio, only this is one of the other channels that I'm intimately involved in, and we wanted to share a little bit about what that one's about and also talk about some interesting topics that uh, that are near and dear to Mr. Hall's and my, that's, by the way, that's Eric Hall, and he's with us today. Eric, good afternoon. Hi. <laughs> and good uh, afternoon and mr Ryder is here as well he's engineering this fine piece and making it all sound really good i hope that opening sounded okay eric yeah yeah that was interesting it's the uh the late lunch club i guess uh <laughs> since we're, we're just past the four o'clock hour here so it, it's time for brinner Exactly. Which is like <laughs> yes. brunch and dinner mixed so this is the brinner club or edition of the lunch club the Linner club Join us to eat all day. That's our motto. Yeah, this is this is. Uh, see, Eric is like a hobbit. He has first breakfast and second breakfast and first lunch and second lunch. And Not to mention big dinner. feet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So big he, hairy uh, feet. So, so, Mr. Ryder, I do have a question for you. Sure. I know you live a ways away from the station. That's and true. So, I, I doubt that you ever, hardly ever, take uh, a bus anywhere. That is true. Because <laughs> I know where you live, the, the, the schedule is not real good, and and uh, they've had cutbacks and stuff. Well, today we thought that we would, since I drove a bus for 12 years, and, and Mr. Uh, Hall uh, dr drove a bus for, well, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say you still drive a bus. I'd hate to have you run into, you know, people uh, seeking autographs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I do still drive a bus, and we're not, uh, not going to say which bus because there are like three hundred different routes, and we're just going to yeah. say that you drive a bus. And, I am uh, out there. But we thought that we'd do that, and then we're also going to talk about uh, um, uh, Beacon Station and and Beacon Hill at uh, quarter to five. So stay tuned for that. But this is kind of the presentation that uh, we do. It's called the Lunch or the Seattle Lunch Club. And we do that uh, at noon on Wednesdays on our podcast. And so you're always welcome to tune in to that. And Mr. Ryder, excuse me, Mr. Hall, I get so confused. <laughs> there are too many Eric's in my life. Um, but Mr. Hall actually hosts that particular thing. So, so I'd, I'd leave it to him to uh, describe it for us. Well, um, 
Seattle's Lunch Club is really about the people and things in Seattle. And I do have a co-host myself, uh, Sheba, my, my cat. And she's in charge of sponsorship, uh, timing, and cleanliness. So when we have sponsors, and we're going to demonstrate the kind of sponsors we have on this show, uh, every few minutes we have a, a segment that's sponsored by somebody. And we, we talk about that sponsor a little bit. And then I ask a question of something like, how was your day? What made you smile? And then the person that we're interviewing um, talks about uh, what made them smile that that week. For instance, last week, I was so honored uh, because we had a very special guest. We had the Space Needle. And as far as I know, I did the very first interview of the Space Needle ever on this planet. And really? It, yes. And it was about time because the Space Needle had a lot to say about what went on uh, in Seattle since, you know, its inception. And it was absolutely fascinating. We learned a lot about that historical monument that uh, everybody identifies Seattle with. So that that was a great uh, that was a great episode, and very articulated. You wouldn't expect the Space Needle to be so articulate, but uh, it certainly was. It was a um, a Space Needle to remember, so to speak. Uh, if people only knew, if they only knew. <laughs> And, you know, previous to that, we had a, a wonderful, engaging, delicious lady who owns a uh, food truck, breakfast all day. And Tiffany Osling just started up this business after a year of, of breakfast all day, and she's out into the world and making it happen. And her food is absolutely delicious. I highly recommend you stopping by her food truck. And it was wonderful to learn about how what it takes to set up a food truck and and why somebody would do what they do you know it's just interesting it's interesting i i urge people if you want something that's not too heavy tune in and listen to it and have some lunch with us and uh enjoy the time now just to clarify did yeah. you say that her food was delicious or that she was delicious or both <laughs> and i'm not quite sure how you know that <laughs> she is a delicious personality Oh, personal. and her food okay, is absolutely okay. delicious. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, now to the subject at hand. Uh, I drove a bus for twelve years. I drove yeah. a Seattle Metro bus for a long time, yeah. and uh, Eric um, drove has is continuing his career and is is a full time driver with uh, Metro as well. And he does this on his days off, and I thank him very much every time he does this because uh, I know it takes uh, a little bit of preparation and all that kind of stuff. So, Eric, I really appreciate that. But, my, my pleasure. You know, I, I enjoy driving a bus, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know if it's proper for me to say. I, I don't know what you'll think of me. I'm just happy that the buses are numbered because otherwise they'd all look alike to me. They, they do all look alike. I feel yep. like a busist saying that, but uh, that's, that's just the fact. And when you're a driver, those numbers are very important. They are indeed. They are indeed. Well, we've got some commercials that we're going to play, but I've also got a challenge for our audience. And uh, Mr. Ryder can help me with this if, he, if we do take calls, because I'm willing. This is, this is what I'm suggesting. If you, as, if you are a bus rider or, or fantasize about being a bus rider and you... <laughs> 
which, which you need a life if you're fantasizing about being a bus driver or writer, by the way. Uh, but I've never, have always wondered what it's like to be a bus driver. I mm. would, I would like you. I, as a matter of fact, I'm going to put some money on the line here. I'm, I'm going to put twenty bucks up that says that you can't provide me with a scenario that either I or Mr. Hall has not had happen to them on the bus. So if you want to give us a call and uh, challenge our, uh, our well, number one, our memory, uh, but number two, the, the the events that happen on a bus, you can do that by calling 425-373-5527. And if you stump us, I'll give you 20 bucks. Of course, on the other, of course, you don't have to give me any money because, I, you know, I, I can't get it from you anyway. But that's okay. So, uh, Eric, you drive, you drive a bus. You, you do the split shift thing, and you do the Saturday-Sunday thing. Sheba's stepping in. She, she says it's time for a sponsor. And, and our first sponsor of the day is the bus stop which has been defining transportation for decades, marking the spot where you can travel to, your job, your appointments, your friends, your dreams, the bus stop, the definition of where to catch your bus. It's also a song by the Hollies. Is it really? Yeah, I, I believe so. Uh, Mr. Ryder knows everything about music. Mr. Ryder, is, uh, did the Hollies do the bus stop? You are correct. Ah, bing, bing, bing. Wow. I win. I get 20 bucks. <laughs> Checks in the mail. <laughs> I've heard that before, <laughs> believe it or not. So, so anyway, um, I thought that I'd start off with, and what I thought we'd do, Eric, is kind of alternate stories a little bit. Fun. And uh, and I'll I'll give one that uh, that I that really uh, set set my bus apart from every other bus in the fleet. Mm. And and that is that I ran into a kid, a kid, he's 24 now, oh. and uh, I won't give his name. He's maybe listening, so he knows who he is. And, yes, I still owe him a hamburger. Um, but, uh, uh, I dig this kid. Yes. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, we talked about him once, and, and I'd like to meet this guy. But I'm looking forward to this story because I dig him. Yes, he got on my bus. He is a um, bus fanatic. He knows every every school bus. He knows every bus bus. He knows where they were built. He knows what kind of engine they have in them. And he really enjoys just getting on a bus. He's one of the few. The proud. So he could tell them apart without the numbers. Yes, he's he's a he's a tall young man, and and he's always got a smile on his face. And anyway, one day he got on my bus, and he started. I started talking to him. And uh, he and and after a long conversation, I found out that he knew all this stuff. And he said, do you mind if I do something? And I said, no. Well, what do you want to do? And he said, well, can I call some stops? And I said, you want to do what? <laughs> and he said, I want to call some stops. So, so what he did was he would call the stop that was coming up. And then when we got to where we were going and we, we had our layover, and then he would say, all aboard, time to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we did this and he started doing this two or three days a week on this particular route that I was driving and he would he would uh call the stops and he would get off and it was funny the wide range of of reactions that he got from people <laughs> some some people thought it was adorable some people said what in the heck is going on with this guy and some of them looked at him like he was crazy and some of them he, and and so but we did this and i let him do this 
because I, number one, I thought it was funny. Number two, it was a, a very important part of his life. And that's how he would spend his afternoons was with me on the bus. And um, it got to the point, Eric, and I am kid you not, it got to the point where when he was not on the bus, there were people that would get on and say, hey, where's your assistant? Oh, I love it. And uh, and I would have to explain that he he's not he's not writing right now, but he'll be back tomorrow. And oh, good. Well, I didn't want anything to happen to him because he's a really nice guy, and uh, and he knows all the stops. He memorized he remember more than me. He memorized oh, every gosh. stop on the route. That's amazing. Going both directions, and and it got it, we became very very close that way, and and it was very it was very fun for him. So that's that's kind of my positive bus story. Um, I got lots of other ones, but we may get into later. But uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your experience riding a bus, being an author that you are, and liking um, to be an, an what I would call an observer of life, and there's no better place to observe life than from the seat of a bus. Oh man, you know, uh, so many experiences. You you nailed it. Up oh, up. Oh. Shiva Shiva's at me. She says we have we have another sponsor. So this this segment here is brought to us by our next sponsor, which is the articulation. Not just for recordings, the articulation has made it possible for buses to carry more people, become more carbon and economically efficient. The articulation, expanding and contracting, contracting to bring neighbors together, the articulation. So they're bringing us this story. For those people who don't know what the articulator is, it's a 60-foot bus that bends in the middle. That's, That's what the articulator is. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Now... I have to tell you know I do like to write, and it did start because of uh, uh, driving a bus and and being on Facebook. And you know how Facebook is; you get a couple of paragraphs to tell a story. So I started with that. Um, however, sometimes stories get a little bit longer, but I'm not going to tell the whole story. But I'll tell one of my favorite stories in a very condensed version, and it's uh, driving on Christmas and the best muffin in the world, and. I was driving on Christmas Day. This was probably three, four years ago, maybe, on a route that I do pretty regularly. And and you get to, you know, you know this, Kevin, you get to know your regulars. You know, somebody that you see a couple of times a week or even once a week, and they're, they're kind of friendly and say hi to you and, you know, even just wave them on. And it, it starts to develop a, a relationship. And this woman, I'd pick her up by a, a very nice retirement home in North Seattle. And she was always dressed very, very well. She was in her 80s and she always looked good. Dressed very well, her makeup's always done, her hair is always quaffed. Um, she's even, you know, her uh, accessorizing is always perfect. I mean, she's just meticulous in her appearance and when she gets on she's got this voice that's you know perfectly presented like somebody that's been talking in public for years that kind of thing and we get to talking I I found out that she grew up in Montana in a cabin that her grandfather had built back in oh I guess at this point this was just before the turn of the 19th century around the 20 around 1900 I forget the date at the moment but early on and this uh, small cabin didn't have any power and they had 
a farm, a small farm. She said it was a very modest cabin and a very modest farm. And they grew their own food. So they'd have eggs and milk and uh, they grew some squash and, you know, other things that they could eat. And then they'd go in and trade or farmer's market the rest. It, it sounded, you know, like a, a good, uh, wholesome, but difficult way of life the way that you uh, work hard. And through the years, you know, this is how she grew up and she met her husband um, early on and they moved to Seattle. And uh, we talked a little bit about uh, how she always made these muffins for her family. And she taught, she learned these, how to make these muffins from her grandmother. And she taught her daughter and then she had just previously that week taught her granddaughter how to make these muffins. And I picked her up on Christmas. She was, had this big old Tupperware container and she was dressed in the nines like she always did. And I said, good morning, Merry Christmas. You look fantastic. You look like you're on your way somewhere. And she said, oh, yes. And she got into the story of the muffin. She, she brought this uh, container of muffins. She said, here, take some. And I generally have a policy of not taking food for obvious reasons, but this woman, you know, of course, it's okay. So I said, I took a muffin. I wanted to take five or six, but I needed to be polite. So I just took one because it looked so good. And it was the old style with the big old cap on it, you know, big old mushroom, and then the small little body underneath. And I put it to the side so I could enjoy it during my break. Dropped her off uh, a little bit later, and she went on to enjoy her Christmas I hope I know she did and I got to my break and I started thinking about this woman along the way how much that she saw just through this muffin because when she was learning how to make muffins she had to milk the cow pick the eggs somebody that she knew if she didn't do it herself made the butter then they picked the squash out of the garden uh all the essentials that was cooked in a wood stove and through the years into 2000 and what, however many years ago it was now three or four, she had seen electricity, air flight to the moon, computers, cell phones. I mean, you name it so much technology and with it, the nature of food has changed. So all of these package things you know you can buy muffins these days buffin muffin mix you can go to the grocery store and buy wonderful muffins i mean there's so many ways but she's still taking time and passing on this uh, recipe but the nature of the materials is made and she shared that with me very briefly she said you know food has changed so much they just don't taste the way they did when i was a kid but they're still pretty good she said and I got to my, I got to that last stop and I had some coffee and I looked at this muffin. Oh, it looked good. And I, I tore off a big old bite and I put it in my mouth. Yeah, I should have grabbed another muffin. And that, that's my driving on Christmas and best muffin in the world story. That's the condensed version. Um, thank God that was the condensed version. Oh, man. You know, I rave in the story, and I'll post it on our website, uh, Positive Talk Radio's uh, Seattle Lunch Club. I rave about these muffins for a while. It was fantastic. Well, good, Very good, because you know that's 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 the thing about being a bus driver. Um, when I was when I was uh, um, like three years in, 
one of the things that you do is bus drivers will get on the bus to qualify on a route. That's how we learn the routes. And uh, so they'll get on and they'll sit there and you'll drive the route. And they'll, and in this case, there were two of them. And they were both long-term bus drivers. They'd been there for like eight or nine years. And, uh, um, and of course, I'm, I'm generally, when I'm driving a bus, I'm a friendly fella. And I, and I like to smile and I like to say hello to everybody that gets on my bus and everybody who gets off my bus. And so, when, and so they rode the whole route. And at the end of the route, they got up to leave and they said, by the way, I just want to tell you, you're very nice to your customers. And I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And they said, how long have you been driving? And I said, about three years. And they said, oh, don't worry. That'll go away. <laughs> There will be a time when you are no longer talking to anybody. It's and, so jaded. <laughs> but, so jaded. And my point being that uh, if you are a bus rider in Seattle and you come across somebody that uh, is not looking like they're having a very good day, just, just leave them alone. <laughs> because, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough job and some folks... Um, don't take to it as well. I just happen to like people and really enjoy uh, spending time uh, talking to folks, just like you do, Eric. And and I don't eat their muffins, however. Um, but the, but that's that's really is, that's really a good thing. By the way, um, are you familiar with Darcy Lynn? Darcy Lynn, that that name's ring a bell. Now I'm thinking of Darcy from Married with Children. So no, no. Oh, well, she was on America's Got Talent, and she's a ventriloquist. Oh, yeah, the little girl with the rabbit, the blonde girl that can that, sing really well. Exactly. I want you to learn how to be a ventriloquist <laughs> so that you can talk to your cat. Actually, my cat's a very good ventriloquist because she's manipulating me. Right, This is Sheba. Aha. Uh -huh. So she's manipulating Did that you? Work? Did that work? Did anybody believe that? No. Yeah. Okay, I'll keep mm. working at it. Yeah, well, you work on the meow too. Yeah, yeah, that's that how one. she sounds, though. Oh, is it? <laughs> I had no idea. So it's, it's your turn, sir. Your favorite bus story? Mine? Well, you got to have more than you've been. You've been driving for five years. You got to have some. By the way, oh man! If if you want to call us and and uh, see if you can't stump the bus drivers with an incident or something that's happened on your on a bus, um, I can tell you after driving a bus for twelve years, I don't think that there's anything that I have not experienced, um, up to and including, um, well. I, no, this is this is a family program, so I won't won't go there. But that takes uh, away a couple of my stories. It does. But I do have one because we see so much driving down the streets, right? I mean, it's not just in the bus; it's outside as well. Of course. And this woman, I I, I wrote a story about her. It's called House on the Hill, and I'll do the condensed version of this too. But well, the show's only 40 or 30 minutes left, so try and keep it brief. <laughs> but this this woman has a tent down by the stadiums, as so many people do. But her tent always manages to stand alone. And I was always curious about that. And, and I'd see her around there because, as you know, most of the people that are living in these tents, hygiene and tidiness is not their concern, Right. And with her, you could tell she was fastidious about how she kept her area. And I'd even see her out there cleaning up her, her tent area, cleaning up the garbage. I even saw her uh, scissoring some grass, pulling some weeds and so forth. And I'd see her eating out of a cereal bowl with a chopsticks. 
And occasionally she would get in an argument with the tree that stood next to her tent and a very animated tent. And that's when I animated uh, argument. And that's when I figured out why people didn't uh, stand around her uh, because she'd have these intense arguments with people and even the tree that was obviously invading her space. Well, if you don't have any people around, you might as well talk to a tree. I guess, I guess. And you know, her tree, that tree did not move. And she had an argument that would go on for, you know, a couple of days and she would always, uh, police or garbage. The place was neat and tidy, but as you know, occasionally eventually happens, they do sweep the area and take away these spaces. Yeah, they do. And they, they, and really honestly, most of the, uh, homeless problem that is downtown is and it's gotten worse in the 12 years that i drove it it, it, when i first drove there there was not any tents to speak of around and now the the situation has gotten really 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 tough um there are tents you know really everywhere and so and unfortunately she was keeping it nice and clean but a lot of them don't and so it becomes really real squalor and 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 stuff. And of course, they don't have garbage garbage service and and things. So it makes it makes it really tough. But um, it does. It you've does. been driving for for five years. Has it gotten worse since you started? Notably so. It is just uh, it astonishes me. It astonishes me how many people are living on the streets. And when you hear the numbers on the news and and a number of talk shows cover this and they'll say like, you know, there's uh, 3000 people living on the streets or 15,000 people living on the streets. And it never sounds like that number matches how many people are actually living on the streets. I don't think they know. No. And, And it's heartbreaking to watch. It really is, and with the um, um, opiate ep- epidemic, and uh, which is um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of people who to, who are are addicted to opiates, they ride the bus because they all of their money goes into basically their arm. Um, but I know that that I'm responsible for at least two people living who might otherwise be dead. Mm, that's good news. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's you know it's one of those things where that stuff is so nasty. If if you know somebody that is taking opiates and and is that I, I'm sorry, that stuff is horrible for them, and uh, poison. Yeah, it really is. And uh, if you have an overdose situation, I've I've had two incidences where they had to uh, call medic one and bring out the Narcan. And if you don't know what Narcan is, that is a um, um, substance that they either they used to inject it now they can put it up your nose I guess and uh, that can wake you up from an overdose situation temporarily and then in the, just long enough to get you to the hospital and then then they have to do whatever they have to do but it's 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 sad that that it's it's growing to that to that degree in in our in our city it's such a beautiful town and they use our bus uh, just uh couple of days ago, I think it was uh, Monday, as a matter of fact, I had a young gentleman in his uh, early 20s sitting in one of the seats, sitting in the bus, 
and he lit up a pipe of uh, smoking some kind of substance that was, you know, made from chemicals, not not just marijuana. It was some kind of uh, chemical mixture, and it was terrible. It stunk. So what'd you do? Fortunately, there was another driver on the bus that just got on. I was taking him up to um, so he could be a relief driver for another one, and he kicked the guy off the bus, so I didn't have to get involved. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, so because we're trained to, if something, if something like that happens, first of all, um, just as a general rule, ladies and gentlemen, if you see something that is happening on the bus that is illegal or is unsafe, please notify the bus driver. Yeah. Because what they will do is they will stop. Uh, we are trained to stop and open both doors and we've got, uh, ways for us to communicate uh, with our coordinator and with uh, the the office to be able to get help and to be able to make sure that those situations don't don't get out of control. So, uh, Eric, have you ever had somebody uh, attempt to assault you? Oh man! <laughs> Apparently, I guess that would be yes. That's a yes. Um, I've been lucky that uh, I'm a big guy. And anybody that's actually met me, you you know, I'm far from the most dangerous person in the world. <laughs> but I, I I can fake it a little bit. And I've had people that have threatened to, you know, kill me, even though we both know when they're saying it, that they're not actually going to do it. And nobody spit at me. And I, I understand a number of drivers have been spit at, but we have those plastic shields these days. So that's not such a thing. However... It is getting more common for the homeless people to get on the bus and refuse to leave. And it does get to a point where it's difficult to get them off without having some kind of confrontation. And it's very difficult. That's very difficult. As you guys know, the police are in a situation where it's um, their, their hands are tied on many issues. And there's, they're spread out thin right now, so they're having a difficult time getting around to the less critical instances that uh, they can deal with through the day. So a lot of times we're on our own, and we know that as a driver. So we have to be more active than what uh, our comfort zones often allow us. Well, that's just uh, the, the point, again, there is, um, is that we are on the, the bus drivers are on the front line. And because we are a moving hotel sometimes, yeah, it is difficult for help to get to us in a timely fashion. I'll give you an example. Um, I was driving on, uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about this particular area. Uh, we're going to talk about Beacon Hill. And I was yeah. driving a particular bus on Beacon Hill, and I looked behind, and there was a man standing in the middle of the bus with one of the... Uh, <clears throat> How shall I say, okay, cheap fortified beer. It was, it's called, uh, um, it was on sale for $1.25 a quart. Oh, that's and, a good buy. Yeah and, yeah, and they actually even advertise that. And it's, uh, it's um, uh, Steel Reserve Malt Liquor. Yum. And, yes, and, uh, and, and I asked him to stop, and uh, he, he refused, and then he started coming up to me. And I, the next thing that I'm going to say is, you know, Steel Reserve malt liquor in your fare box doesn't allow coins to go through anymore. If you want to know how I know that, 
he came up and he took took his beer and he put it he, he started pouring it into my fare box <laughs> and so i opened the door and and he left um but that's uh, just alcohol abuse right there that, <laughs> that, that well i've also had uh, um half a quart of old english 800 thrown against my bus because i i asked him to leave um, so but there is nobody there for us to really deal with that in a timely manner. So you have to be very, very careful. And I'm a big guy. Uh, people don't mess with me. Um, and you're an ex-boxer. I am that. And yeah. uh, not that I ever got to show that but because you're sitting in the seat. But, but I never had any problems with anybody really except for that guy. And they told me I should have called it in. But. But and I actually I did call it in, but he was gone for ten minutes before they got back to me because it was rush hour and they were very busy. So so be kind to the bus drivers that you know if you can because they're under a great deal of stress. Um, Eric, as an example, have you ever been in an accident? I have, I have. I was distracted once due to a passenger, and as I was pulling in, I I side scraped a, a parked car. And I was held responsible for that because, you know, we're not supposed to hit our cars. cars. <laughs> Gee, how rude is that? They take it personally so, when we hit parked cars. Gee, yeah. You know, they, they've got this barrier of expectations that's hard, that's hard to get by. So, but I, I was, you know, di distracted by somebody in the back that was causing a ruckus. And I looked the wrong way for, you know, just that. It doesn't take long. Where you know, it, less than two seconds, less than two seconds. Oh, yeah. and really, you know, they're correct. I had no business uh, watching what was going in the back for safe. You know, I was concerned what was happening, but I should have been focused on the driving. Should not have been turning the wheel. I should have just stopped the bus, then looked, because there is a priority. We've got the full bus to be uh, careful of, and to stop and take care of one individual, there's a process to get there. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. But but at the same time, I got to tell you, all of this stuff happens on a at a split second, it's and nice. you and you just don't know. But I do have a funny, a f kind of a funny story that uh, um, I got into an accident one time, and what that was is I was going out Martin Luther King, and there is on a particular it's actually sunset that turns into Martin Luther King, and there are some roads that that come down from some apartment complexes that are very steep. And because I was in the right-hand lane, it was a two-lane highway, and there were cars on my left, um, a car came down one of those and, and went too far. So they went into my lane of travel. Now, I was driving a 60-foot bus at the time, and if you've ever driven a big vehicle like that, you when you when you try and swerve out of the way and still stay in your lane, you, you, move, you can move the front end of your bus, but your back end gets caught in what they call tail swing. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't move as far. And I've, I, I really felt sorry for this guy, I think, because he had gone too far. I swerved out of his way. And all he saw, it was all he saw in his, in his vision, the entire vision was a bus. It was, <laughs> it was like a foot, a foot away from his vehicle. And Ooh. as I continued to go by, it went to six inches away from the vehicle. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then three inches away from the vehicle. And I almost cleared it, but I didn't quite clear it. Clipped him in the front of his car. And so I stopped the bus, got out. He took off. Uh, so oh, it was actually it was a hit and run. Oh. And he took off. And I looked down where he was and was the license plate. <laughs> So, Cinderella story, man. Yeah, so, so I called it in the coordinator, and what you do when you call the coordinator is that you 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 are supposed to tell them exactly what happened, give them a description of the vehicle, give them a description of everything that went on, so that they can make a determination and they tape it all and all that kind of good stuff. And so he, I said, I just was involved in an accident. A guy pulled out, and he pulled too far, got into the road, got into my lane of travel. I tried to uh, avert him, but the back end of my bus clipped him. And he said, "Well, what kind of?" car was it and i said well it was kind of a white sedan and he said uh, do, do you have any idea uh what the license plate was and i said sure <laughs> and, he, and he said well uh if you don't know what kind of car it was how could you possibly have gotten his license number and i said, love tcc <laughs> that's the uh, transit control center for those not in the know and so he, so he said, how could you know the, the, the uh, license plate? And I said, well, because I'm holding it in my hand. <laughs> he said, I clipped it and knocked it off the front of his car. That's the only thing I hit, as far as I know, uh, is I knocked off the license plate. And he goes, well, that's good. So when I filled out the accident report, I sent the license plate in as evidence. With the, the, this was the guy... <laughs> This is the, the guy that I was hit. So, and I didn't get into trouble for that because it wasn't my fault. But I thought that was just the, the sheer shock from the from the supervisors. Like, well, how the hell do you know his license plate number if you don't know what kind of car it was? Oh, that's perfect. With him holding it in my hand. <laughs> so, do you have any other any any really funny stories that that you like to tell at dinner parties, sir? Unfortunately, no. Not that I get invited to dinner parties, but I don't have any. <laughs> I don't really have any funny stories. I don't know why that is. You know, you got to have a sense of humor to drive a bus, for one. You do because it's always out there. But I seem to see, you know, a number of tragic stories, unfortunately. And uh, God bless us all. You know, we're all humans, so we all share, you know, some down times, and. <sighs> There are people on the bus that do wonderful things. I will say that. Unexpectedly so. For instance, there was this uh, young gentleman, maybe in his 20s, and he had some issues, uh, cancer, some sort of cancer was growing on his skin, and he smelled really bad. He was a street person, so I don't think hygiene was available to him. And he got to a point where life was, uh, his physical condition dictated that he'd be in a wheelchair. And I picked him up one day and he was just, a, he was playing some kind of a Game Boy. And it turned out that uh, mentally he was maybe 12 or 15 years old as well. So he had a lot of issues that he was dealing with. And he smelled so bad, so bad that I was a little bit concerned about bringing him on the bus, but I genuinely liked this guy. I'd seen him for around for about six months. So I decided whatever was going on with him, I'd, I'd sort of stick it out and deal with the customers that I'd have to. And there's this woman that was kind of, uh, well, she was kind of snooty. She was kind of snooty. And she was sitting behind him. And as I was strapping him up, you know, she got that look on her face. So she was absolutely disgusted. And I know why, what she was thinking. And I thought, oh, boy, here we go. And she reached into her purse and very 
discreetly just sprayed it on him and then sprayed the air behind her. And I thought that was really kind of her because she could have been nasty because I think she was that tight, but she felt compelled to be kind. And I thought that was a beautiful moment. She is what's known as a seasoned writer. She's, she's been yeah. on the bus when, when, because the thing is, especially during commute times, we've got, uh, people that are riding the bus at any given time can, from a three piece suit that are mm. worth a quarter million dollars to somebody that doesn't have a quarter yeah. and, uh, and any, anywhere in between. And, yeah. uh, and a seasoned bus driver or rider will have equipment like that, that will, uh, um, help them, you know, make it more palatable. Because it, it can be a very difficult uh, thing to do that, on an, on, to ride a bus every day. Um, but then, then parking downtown, for, you know, from the east side to downtown, parking is 20 bucks a day. That's, you know, that's, that's 100 bucks a week. And that would be cheap. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's the cheap parking that you have to walk. So, so it's, I just want to thank everybody, all the bus drivers, all, especially now during COVID. I, I had to retire, thank God, before COVID. And these guys, uh, several have died. Um, many have been sick. And so the next time you get the opportunity to ride a bus, please, please, please say something nice to the bus driver even if they don't smile back at least cut, cut them a break because they 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 have a really really tough job and i can say that from personal experience i'm kind of weird that way and then things crack me up as being funny um <laughs> <laughs> whereas other guys take it a lot more oh seriously boy. yeah so, yeah. so now, Eric, we, we're we've, um, going to enter into a new segment now. And would you tell us about what we are going to listen to and then play? And then Eric, uh, Mr. Uh, Ryder, can play the opening. We are taking a journey on the uh, link rail from Angle Lake to Northgate. And we stop at each station and we explore either the station or the neighborhood and talk about that neighborhood, both from a historical perspective and what's happening currently. And it's just, uh, Seattle is such a complex place to live. It's been such a joy to study about what's going on. And I'm, I'm so happy that uh, people listen to these stories. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Hello, I'm Eric Hall. And with Kevin McDonald, this is Pacific Northwest Journeys. This is where we explore the many exciting people, places, subjects, and landscapes that make up the stories of the Pacific Northwest. Come join us. We want to share what we see as one of the greatest places in the world to live. Beacon Hill, a spine of Seattle. Our next stop on our link rail tour from Angle Lake to Northgate is Beacon Hill. The original people of the area now known as Beacon Hill referred to the area as a greenish-yellow spine. It was a forest of deciduous trees located on the rise between two bodies of water, Puget Sound and Lake Washington. And hunting was rich here. Deer found residence amongst these trees. There were fruit trees, hazelnut trees. It was a forest where food could be had while taking in breathtaking views of the Salish Sea, the Sunadu, Hachuabish, and Tahoma. 
It was later renamed by the settlers John Holgate and Edward Hanford to Beacon Hill after a later arrival of a Harwood Young who wanted it named after his hometown in Massachusetts. As the name changed, you could now take in great views of Puget Sound, the Olympics, downtown Seattle, Lake Washington, Mount Rainier, and the Olympic Mountains. The early 1900s, the north end of the neighborhood was beginning to get more populated with bungalow craftsman homes and the Seattle box houses. Beacon Hill had a new nickname of Boeing Hill in regards to how many of its employees lived there. And the neighborhood continues to evolve with the times. It has in its neighborhood some of the newer additions of architecture, including homes that are being built with the new livability concepts of shared common spaces, green materials with energy efficiency, and as carbon neutral as possible. Its efficiency reaches into public transportation availability, neighborhood walkability, access to green spaces and parks, and its own food forest. A unique concept of food forest, meaning you can visit, take a walk through, and are welcome to pick a piece of fruit or vegetable of your choice. The neighborhood is involved. Strangers can volunteer for the day, the week, the month, whichever is convenient. As it's true for good health to eat veggies and fruit, it is also true to make a connection to the land, work it, feel the dirt under your feet, and connecting with the human that lives next to you or is just visiting for a few hours who are from the other side of the globe. As well, it's just as acceptable and welcomed if you happen to be walking past the forest and see food on the sidewalk with bags or boxes available with a sign that says free food. It is meant. Take some food. It has been grown for you by this forest of people who care about the world of people. It is a connection, a view of the world, on a spine of Seattle with so many great views. And one of the best views of the city is Rizal Bridge, another spine of Seattle. Rizal Park and Rizal Bridge is a memorial, an acknowledgement of the contributions of the Filipino community of the Northwest, which has been so active in Seattle's early development. Seattle's history has long been intertwined with that of the Philippines beginning with the Spanish-American War of 1898. U.S. colonial possessions of the islands, the businesses of shipping troops and supplies to the Philippines contributed to Seattle's early growth in various Seattle city parks dating from that era. Volunteer Park and Capitol Hill, named for the war's volunteer soldiers. Woodland Park, which hosts a statue honoring fallen soldiers from the Spanish-American War and the Philippine War. And the original names of downtown City Hall Park and Magnolia's Discover Park, Fortson Square and Fort Lawton, respectively. Both named for army men who died during the U.S. campaign to subdue the Philippines. In the early 20th century, United States rule over the Philippines provided an opportunity for thousands of Filipinos to migrate to the U.S. Many settled here in Seattle. While U.S. law denied them citizenship on the basis of race, they nevertheless could travel to the United States without passports under the ambiguous status of nationals until 1934. Jose Rizal he was born in 1861 in Calamba, Laguna, Philippines. 
Reisel had traveled to Spain to study in the home country of his colonizer. Worldly and learned, Reisel spoke over ten languages and was, among many other things, a poet, historian, painter, sculptor, and medical doctor. He was a dedicated advocate for Filipino rights under Spanish rule. He authored two incidentary anti-colonial novels, which were blamed for stirring unrest against the colonial government. The books led to Reisel's execution by the Spanish in 1896, which was just a few short years before the Spanish-American War. He was a martyr, a hero to Filipinos. As years went by in the rise of the Marcos, the political influence of Reisel lessened with the younger generation. However, in 1974, the Filipino community was successful in having the 12th Street Bridge renamed to Dr. Jose Reisel Bridge, and Reisel Park was established. There is a philosophy behind the Seattle Reisel Memorials that was pushed forward by one of the leaders of the community, and his name was Trinidad Rojo. It ought to be and must be humanism, cosmopolitanism, and internationalism with an enlightened pragmatic motive of increasing magnetic attractions to local, national, international tourism to accelerate Seattle's march towards its progress to the status of a major world city which she richly deserves. In 1999, Mayor Paul Schell chose to light Rizal Bridge to celebrate the millennium. For New Year's Eve, Shell had aspired to light all of Seattle's major landmarks to celebrate the millennium, but due to a shortage of money and logistical issues, the city was only able to light two. Following a speech where he appealed to the bridge as a metaphor connecting countries internationally, Shell flipped the switch on New Year's Eve. As he did so, those attending, including members of the Jose Rizal Park and Bridge Preservation Society, sang, my country, in Tagalog. And that's what makes Beacon Hill a spine of Seattle. gentlemen is it eric that was a beautiful presentation thank you isn't that a beacon hill is fascinating to me it truly it, is it is it is to me too now now just to just to be clear i wouldn't go picking anybody's fruit today if i was you well you can as long as you do it in that designated food forest is there what's growing this time of year is that still there oh yeah absolutely absolutely it's over there by 15th just before you get to oh, Columbia. Oh, very, very interesting. You know, I also was amazed that uh, he understood and could speak fluently 10 different languages. I have enough trouble with one. Isn't that amazing? 
And this was at a time before, you know, the computer where you could just look up languages on whatever that computer code program is you can buy online. This is a guy that had to, you know, actively seek out people that spoke these languages and, you know, learn in the old school way before they had light bulbs. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, so what's going to be on the, uh, oh, by the way, before we run out of time, real quick, what's going to be on Seattle Lunch Club this next Wednesday? We have a very special guest. Um, the elves have made uh, some time available to spend with Santa before the big day. So he's going to talk to us what it's like to zip around the world and deliver all these gifts to all these wonderful children and what his favorite cookie is. And he's starting up a cookie museum. And don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, we have checked for Eric's um, medication level. So he's... he's, he's... <laughs> He's he's okay. He's he really is okay. Hey, I'm Santa approved. <laughs> Santa approved. So, what is his favorite cookie? Well, he's going to share that next week. You got to tune in and find out. Oh, very nice. And that is uh, this is a guy uh, that has access to cookies all around the world. Keep that in mind. So that may not be true. chocolate chip. May or may not be. That's true. And I'd like to uh, also follow up with an announcement that uh, in Positive Talk Radio on KKNW 1150 AM is picking up another day. We are going to be on Friday at noon. So now you can listen to Positive Talk Radio Monday at 9 AM, Wednesday at 4 PM, and, uh, and uh, Friday at noon. And uh, Friday at noon is going to be, uh, we've deemed that metaphysical Friday. So we're going to have some real interesting folks, and you can call in and perhaps get a reading from them and, and talk to them about what's going on with you. I heard that last week, that show last week, last Friday. That was a terrific show. Yeah, well, you know, last week we we uh, got to replay Mr. Onishi. Um, oh, last KTNW. Wednesday. Or, oh, you played that Friday. Oh, got it. Pardon me. Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah, we played that on Wednesday and also on Friday. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to Mr. Onishi, who's a survivor of World War II and the internment camps that uh, the um, American uh, Japanese were put into, uh, that really is worth listening to. It's, it's pretty, pretty outstanding. It's an amazing story. It's not what you might think. It's about uh, somebody with a... a a wonderful outlook on life influencing the world around him. It, it really is. And it, it shocked me when we had the opportunity to uh, interview him because I went into it thinking, you know, because the internment of, of these folks, and he said it during the interview that he had to leave with nothing more than two suitcases. And that's, that's, all, that's all that they had. And uh, they left everything behind. And many people never got anything back. So it was a, it was a it was a really sad, really sad moment for these guys, and uh, um, it was it was tough. It was really tough. Unimaginable, unimaginable. And you know, we still carry this kind of attitude. We pick out some immigrant of the year, you know, whatever the flavor is, and we demonize these people. It's horrible the things that we do, and it takes their example of how they live lives to learn our lesson. And unfortunately. You know, not enough people pay attention to history, and we really should. History should be part of our daily lives. Well, and he exhibited the type of resiliency 
that is really important for all of us to remember. And he was, uh, he was, I, he, I believe he migrated from Japan originally, did he not? His grandfather back in the 1890s migrated here down to Portland and his grandfather was as you got positive as that. Go, go for it, Kevin. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in today. It's been a fun episode. I'm glad, I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> and by the way, uh, be, do something nice for somebody else. Do something nice for yourself. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you on Friday at noon. Wear a basket back to the day. <laughs> 